Hello, and welcome to this edition of Wait a Week Mystery. I'm your host and author, J.C. Bodden. In this week's podcast, I'll be sharing with you the next chapter from my novel, Someone to Watch Over Me. If you like what you hear and can't wait a week for the next installment, Someone to Watch Over Me, as well as the other three books in the Devlin O'Quinn mystery series, is available in both Kindle and paperback format from Amazon. You can check out my website, jcbodden.com, for more information and the link to my Amazon page. Now, let's not wait any longer. Here we go with episode 136, Someone to Watch Over Me, chapter 36, Just the Facts. Jenny's Story Carrie Wagner stood watching through the one-way mirror as Devlin O'Quinn interrogated Joe. In spite of himself and his aching head, he was impressed with Devlin's technique. The man was remarkably calm, considering. Roger, Devlin's partner on the city force, stood beside Wagner. He's good, real good, Wagner commented. He's better than good, Roger answered. He's the best. Wagner grunted. Do you want a lawyer? Devlin O'Quinn asked Joe. Because if you want a lawyer, I want you to have a lawyer. I'm not having this case thrown out because you didn't have a damn lawyer. Sir, I don't know what's going on, but I don't need a lawyer. Pay close attention, Joe, because I want you to understand. Devlin stood across the table from him, pointing at his mouth. Watch my lips. We know everything. Wagner told us about last night, how you burst into Jenny's apartment when she and Wagner were there, how you went crazy and cracked his head open with a hammer. You're damn lucky you didn't kill him. But I need to know, where's Jenny? I don't know what you're talking about, sir. She was there when I left, I swear. And I don't care what Wagner told you, I never hit him with any hammer. Joe, quit lying. The apartment door is busted in. Your hammer's got Wagner's blood and your prints all over it. In fact, Wagner's blood is all over the apartment. We found your little hidey hole up in the attic, complete with your work shirt covered with Amy Patterson's blood. We figured it all out. Devlin straightened and then slammed his fists on the table in front of Joe. The only thing we haven't figured out is where the hell my daughter is. Joe ran his fingers through his hair and rubbed his face. He looked at Devlin with such confusion that the older man blinked. Sir, I don't know what you're talking about, I swear. When I left Jenny's apartment this morning, she was in bed and everything was fine. Wait, what? When you left this morning? Ah, ah, uh, um. Joe was suddenly flustered, blushing deeply. Ah, I fell asleep on the couch. I was waiting for her to come back. He pushed his hands through his hair again, leaving it sticking up wildly. I woke up and she had gone to bed. She left me a note. I went home. I don't know where she is now. I didn't know she was gone. Do you actually think I would just be calmly eating my breakfast if I knew she was missing? Devlin stood with his fists on his hips and looked closely at Joe. Where'd you get that black eye? He snapped. I had a little disagreement with someone. My daughter? What? No, no, no! I swear, I would never hurt Jenny. Devlin, as distraught as he was, still caught the tenderness in the other man's voice when he said Jenny's name. He didn't know what to make of it. He looked carefully at Joe and then paced once around the room before sitting at the table across from Joe. The two men stared at each other for a full minute. Devlin took a deep breath, forcing himself to be calm. He knew he needed to be careful. He hadn't had much sleep in the past few days, and the idea that this man had done something awful to his daughter was almost more than he could stand but he needed to know where she was first. Then he could deal with what Joe had done to her. 
Look, Joe, I want, I need to know where my daughter is. You remember the first time you were in this room with me? It was the night your mother died. And when you left here, you had to go and live at that group foster home, and then to Twin Oaks before they finally found your father. And you had to testify against that son of a bitch that murdered your mother. That took a lot of courage, son, I know. I know those were really tough things for a kid to go through. Things like that, they leave their marks, sometimes in ways we don't even see. So if this is because of what happened to your mom and all, well, I want you to know that I can understand. Anybody could, really. But all of that stuff in your past, I don't care about any of that. Jenny, my daughter, is missing. I just want you to tell me, man to man, before this goes any further, where she is. You help me and I'll help you. I've never thought you were a bad person, and I don't think that now. But you got to help me. You can do that, can't you? Joe blinked and looked away. It occurred to him that neither of his own parents would have cared so much had he gone missing. Indeed, as far as his father was concerned, he had been missing since the night he graduated high school. He pushed those thoughts out of his mind and focused on Jenny. The fear, the near panic in his gut, made him want to shout, rant. Instead, he leaned forward and started speaking just as calmly and intently as Devlin. Detective O'Quinn, I'll tell you what I know, and I'll tell you everything, so you'll know I'm not lying. He took a deep breath and continued. Last night, after you left, Jenny and I stayed there in her apartment for a while. We talked, and after a little bit, she kissed. Joe paused and swallowed hard before he continued. She kissed me, and I kissed her back. Joe ran his hand across the back of his neck. Then we sat on the couch together, you know. You've got to believe me. I would never, ever hurt her. I couldn't. I swear. That's when Wagner came busting in, jealous, I guess. He got in a couple of punches, gave me this black eye. I put him in a chokehold and twisted his arm. But I didn't hit him with my hammer. I didn't even have it then. I had to go out to the truck to get it after he left because he broke the door jam. He's a punk. Anyway, he left. Actually, Jenny kicked him out. Then we... Anyway, after a little bit, a girl came and got Jenny. Said she needed her for something. So, while Jenny was with this girl, I went out to the truck and got my tools and fixed the door jam. When I was done, I sat down on the couch to wait for Jenny. She didn't have her keys or her phone. They were right there in her apartment. The keys where she keeps them on that hook by the door and her phone on the table. I figured that if I left, she would be locked out. And besides, I wanted to tell her... Joe blushed and glanced up at Devlin, whose face was impossible to read. I wanted to tell her how I felt, how I feel about her. I thought I would wait for her, but I fell asleep on the couch. I woke up just before dawn, just when it was starting to get light out. She must have come back while I was asleep because I saw her keys and phone were gone, and the bedroom door was closed. There was a note to me from her on the coffee table. That's when I left. I drove the van back and walked home. It was probably around five or so, but honestly, I didn't really look at the clock. I went to bed and got up this morning, and then there you were at Mrs. McDowell's front door. That's the complete story from start to finish. I don't know anything about a hammer or blood or anything in the attic. And I don't know where Jenny is. You've got to believe that, even if you don't believe anything else. And all I know is that if she is missing, then you're wasting 
time asking me about it when you should be looking for her. Devlin looked at Joe, studying his face. He was surprised at the tumble of details. It was unusual for Joe, normally a man of very few words. He considered carefully. Where's the note you say Jenny wrote you? Joe reached up to his shirt pocket. It was in my other pocket. Now it's at my apartment. Something in the back of his mind tried to nudge him again, something about the note from Jenny. He knew he should stop and think about it, but Devlin interrupted him. And who was the girl, the one you say came to the room before you fixed the door? Devlin asked, still watching Joe's face closely. Um, she works the front desk a lot. Long blonde hair. Name? I'm not really good with names. Amanda, maybe? Joe's story. Joe was left in the interrogation room by himself. He knew he was being watched through the mirror, but he wasn't concerned with that. All he could think about was Jenny. He paced the room back and forth, trying to remember every detail of the last few hours, any clue at all. He came up with nothing. In the adjacent room, Devlin, Roger, and Wagner were discussing what to do next. I'm telling you, let him go and put a tail on him, Wagner said. He'll take us right to her. I think he's right, Dev, Roger said. We won't find Jenny as long as Joe's in here and not talking. Let's try it and see what happens. Devlin looked from Roger to Wagner and then at Joe on the other side of the window. He paced around the small room, his jaw muscles working. He stopped and looked at Wagner. Okay, but I'm the tail. Roger opened his mouth to protest, but he caught the look in Devlin's eye. Yeah, okay, Dev, sure. A few minutes later, Joe was blinking in the bright October sunshine outside the police station. He turned over the jumble of thoughts in his head. Hammer, blood, attic, Jenny. He knew that she was in danger, and he knew he had to do something. He started running. He ran all 11 blocks to his apartment. That concludes this week's chapter of Someone to Watch Over Me. Thank you for listening. To find out what happens next, please come back for episode 137 of Wait a Week Mystery or visit jcbodden.com to order the book. Either way, I hope your wait is a happy one.